Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the wrestling podcast. That's wrestling spelled W R S T L I N G. It's all of the graps, but without the E. But of course, me and G, we're not anti E, we're simply pro wrestling. My name is Liam. This guy is Gareth. Hey. And a big thank you for joining us once again. Uh, welcome back. If you've been writing for a while, uh, get the feeling there may be some new listeners who perhaps joined us for the two big interviews last week. Welcome. Please make yourselves at home. So just uh, for the purpose of people that haven't heard us before, this is the wrestling podcast. We focus on everything professional wrestling outside of the two major companies in North America being WWE and AEW. Occasionally, the latter will intersect because they seem to be plugging into the world around them, which is quite cool in many ways. But beyond that, everything is fair game. So we like talking about Japan, probably primarily. That's one of the the big areas that we touch on. Certainly North America and Australia. This year, we're trying to include a bit more UK as the scene has opened up. A bit more lucha because they're they're making their stuff actually legally watchable. Yeah, that's one of our kind of soft rules here is that we don't cover or talk about too much stuff that you can't view legally on an international basis. So yeah, where a lot of Lucha stuff have been geo-blocked, it kind of ruled it out. But now AAA is doing stuff, Riot's doing stuff, CMLO, you can watch it, but it's, um, you know, you can buy a ticket to watch it live, but that's pain in the it. Ass. It's a pain in the ass. So probably less CMLO until that gets resolved, but we'll try. But if you've got any thing in particular that you'd like to hear us talk about or any wrestlers in particular you'd like us to try and secure interviews with i mean we can't guarantee but we'll certainly try and i'm pleased to tell you that in february we've got a fair few interviews lined up already i'm not going to give any names just because things are subject to change we've jinxed ourselves too many times to fall into that trap again it's true but i'm very hopeful that we'll certainly get Uh, a few interviews from familiar promotions and one from a promotion where we haven't had an interviewee from yet, just to whet the appetite. And you can think about who that might be. Anyway, without further ado, let's get into the show. Um, Actually, you know what, before we start talking about all this stuff, I just want to say again, what a pleasure it was speaking to Massa and Kaori last week. It was just wonderful. I've listened to both interviews back and had a really good time doing so. What a pleasure to get the opportunity to sit down with two real legends of the Japanese scene and pick their brains and hear their stories. And yeah, it was just a felt like a real treat. You know, if you're listening and you haven't listened to those two, I do implore you to go back and listen to last week's two episodes. You know, you oh, won't yeah. be disappointed. Definitely. But, you know, and also if you're a new listener, do plumb the depths of our back catalogue. There are so many exciting interviews in the back catalogue. Maki Ito, Takeshita, current DDT champion. We've spoken to Adam Brooks. We spoke from Australia. Keep naming names, Liam. Uh, Kaito Kiyomiya, Hikari Noah. We've spoken to Masakitami. We've had Keno on briefly. Nakajima's been on. Um, that was when they, they were doing their title versus title match at the end of the last year. Had PCO on, Chris Sabin, Ricky South. Balianaki on numerous occasions. Emi Sakura. Emi Sakura. May Saruga, yeah. Yeah, you know, we've so We've been so, do. so lucky. We really have. And, you know, please do dig deep in those. Tekla's another one. Oh, shit, how can we forget? Yeah, that's one I really do recommend. You know, she's obviously jumped into, you know, increased prominence the last sort of month or so. That's an interesting choice of words because somebody that we've also interviewed that's jumped into increased prominence is Suzu Suzuki, but for entirely different reasons. (laughs) (laughs) There's a bunch of people in our back catalogue that we think you would find fascinating to, you know, that maybe don't, 
conduct a lot of interviews or maybe, you know, don't do interviews with people outside their home country that often, or just generally, you know, uh, go underrepresented in the podcasting sphere. Yeah. M- Mizuki and uh, Maya Yamashita as well, two oh, other ones. That we, it's wild when you really think about it. It's really difficult. To, I feel so guilty for not like remembering all these incredible names that we've, we've spoken to. Anyone that we have forgot forgotten to reel off here, my sincerest apologies. Like we've had just a wild range of guests in the, what, 18-odd eight, months we've been... I don't think it was even 18 months yet that we've been running. No, we, we, we've been incredibly lucky. And it's nice that these companies and these wrestlers feel that we're worthy of their time. And I do get the sense, particularly from the wrestlers in Japan, they're really keen to actually give this kind of content to mm. an international audience. You know, everybody seems really up for it and excited to do it. So long may it continue, fingers crossed. But yeah, as I said, there's certainly three on the bubble for next month as it stands, possibly more. But if you do have any requests, man, shoot your shot. We can we can but ask. Yeah. So by all means, ping it over to us. Um, best way to do so will probably be social media, um, Twitter and Instagram. It's at wrestling pod. That's wrestling spelt without the E. And you could also send us an email if you feel so inclined. It's wrestlingpod at gmail.com. Again, wrestling about the E. There we go, folks. Um, that is the housekeeping and introductions done. So let's get into it. We're talking about three shows this week. We are looking at Big Show in North America from Game Changer Wrestling, the world on GCW. We're also going to have a look over into the UK for the first time. Mm, yes. Our first time over here on these beautiful shores in the United Kingdom for Pro Wrestling Resurgence. Uh, we're just going to be talking about the main event, which was Charlie Evans defending her Resurgence title against Car Noir. And then we're going to look over at Chocker Pro 195 off the back of that interview with Masahiro Takanashi last week. We're going to chat about his interim Super Asia title match against Chon Shiryu and, of course, this show as a whole. So strap in, folks. We've got loads to get into. Let's start off with Game Changer Wrestling. This was their big show, the apex of their life so far, mm-hmm. arguably at the Hammerstein Ballroom, you know, vaunted halls, venerated halls. And they certainly did all the right things in the build-up to this show. I thought some of the videos they put out the mm. hype videos were really high quality i was really really impressed with that kind of thing gareth how do you think the show itself performed i thought it was entertaining from the opening bell through to the end of the show you know like there wasn't a second that you could be sort of bored here mm. but not without its issues for me so a little low on great wrestling but very entertaining if that makes sense yeah, no, I don't disagree. Well, let's start off on the positives, as is our usual want. Uh, what were the matches that stood out to you, matches or moments that stood out to you the most? And then we'll, we'll get more granular as we go. The Lucha Six Man was yeah. probably, you know, the in-ring highlight of the of the evening for me. Yeah, this was great, wasn't it? When you've got people like Arez, Demonic Flamita, Mandido and Laredo Kid in there, you know, it's difficult to go too far wrong. I'm not as familiar with Gringo Loco and ASF, but... I love Gringo Loco. Gringo Loco is excellent. You know, he's cool. He refers to himself as the bass god because he's <laughs> such a good bass for people who do literary results. I mean, that's... It's a pretty meta name, isn't yeah. it? You're really kind of opening the door there. But I really like him in these kinds of matches because he is what he says. He's very good for people to jump off of and jump on too. So, <laughs> but yeah, some some incredible moments in this as well. You know, there was I think ASF did an incredible head scissors, got 
thrown out by like Bandido onto, I want to say, I think Gringo Loco on the floor. And yeah, that was fantastic. Some, some great dives from Bandido himself. Just like heaps of fun stuff here. Oh, and the, uh, the when they had <laughs> two people on a, one person's shoulders, like three stacked three high, was just wild as well. Just stuff in here that I personally hadn't seen done before, which, yeah. you know, when novel things happen in matches, it's still I'm still like so excited and it's so surprising just you know when you watch the amount of wrestling that we do it's often difficult for stuff to happen that you'd be like oh, I've never seen never seen this before this is completely new to me so that was a kind of spot that I'd never never seen before and just the, but the, also the stuff that was kind of old hat you know if you will but was just executed so remarkably well yeah definitely no you're completely right that spot that you're referring to so we had two men on one chap's shoulder so you had all three guys basically from each team in a stack and then (laughs) they started brawling whilst in the stack and then the top two guys i think it was asf and uh ares um did a a destroyer off the top of the stack which was just nuts and you know if you're a bit like gareth and you're kind of destroyed out i'm a bit world weary when it comes to (laughs) destroyers but that was the first yeah for me that gets the stamp of approval because it was novel. I'd never seen it done like that before. It was spectacular. And then, you know, the two remaining guys just powerbombed the crap out of whoever was left on top. It was nuts. Um, so just to give you the full lowdown, so this was Team Gringo, so Gringo Loco, uh, Demonic Flamito, which is a name I'm never fully on board with, if I'm completely honest with you. I mean, does it change? Does he become sort of upbeat Flamito or...? <laughs> You know, I think at this point people get it. You could just be Flamita. Yeah, you're wearing red. You're Flamita. I like it. But he's excellent. And Ares, who's one of my favorite luchadors, going at the second uh, against Team Bandido, which included Bandido, ASF, and Laredo Kid. He's one of those guys that's just criminally underrated. He pops up all the time. He's consistent. He always does good stuff. And yet, you don't see him on lists or anything like that. Laredo no, Kid. No. He's, he just seems to fly under the radar. You know, and he's uh, popping up on like before the impact for impact wrestling it's just like yeah why is this guy not being you know if you've got the use of him why not feature him more prominently yeah i couldn't agree more if i had a minor gripe about this one and it is minor the thing i really like about ares is when he uses that yaveo style you know yeah. really sort of interesting kind of lucha submission stuff and he didn't do any of that, None of that here, because no. it was a scramble and i just always think if you've got ares there come on just give me a little give me a little just taste a little, of that yeah a little yeah, tease little something but look this was a great match it clearly overran its time slot because you actually heard over the pa uh the chap saying guys it's time to go home <laughs> did you catch that i didn't know <laughs> how funny guys you gotta go home guys and then it went on for another 10 minutes Incredible. so i don't know how long this was supposed to go on but i loved it for what it was i thought this was a really fun match it deserved every minute it got i think it was great personally. it was great and stay tuned because i'm going to contradict that point a bit later on but i absolutely adored this um anything else that particularly stood out for you i really enjoyed just seeing blake christian again so i think last you know last year early last year early 2021 like i was sort of really high on him and then he got scooped up by you know he won the division cup Yes, I think it was, was great. And, and was having great matches in GCW and then got swept up by, you know, had a great send off from GCW and got swept up by WWE. And he briefly WWE tired. Not even, I think like six months, something like that. I think it was like February mm. to February to October. I think he was, if memory serves me, he was kind of uh, over there. And I hadn't really seen 
much of him hadn't seen the Blake Christian of old and so yeah I just thought this showed why I was so high on him this this match against Leo Rush um yeah. so obviously Christian was supposed to face off against uh Gresham my understanding is Gresham is unwell at the moment like because he's also Gresham's also had to miss a match with Davy Richards that was supposed to happen um, I think oh poor Gresham hope recently. he gets well so, soon yeah, that's my understanding anyway so you know Leo Rush stepped in here they had a really fun match like I wasn't like really familiar with Leo before he went to WWE and this is the first thing I've kind of seen him do post WWE that I've really really enjoyed as well so you know long may it continue from him as well he's a special talent he really is and I think it's a circumstantial thing, but for whatever reason, he's really suffered from not being consistently yeah. visible, you know, in one place or another. But he's a special talent. He really is. He he moves in a different way to sure. everybody else. Not dissimilar. It's a bit of a, a strange comparison, but not dissimilar to Tamatonga in that regard. Uh-huh. You know, he's just his, his movement's different sure. and it makes him unique to watch. But yeah, I've gone on a bit of a journey with Blake Christian. I... When I first saw him, I thought, clearly this guy's a good wrestler. Okay, fine. But I just, there was nothing else to it. Yeah. I just didn't get it. It was it was fine. And then we you touched on that Impact X Cup or whatever it was called. And he was brilliant that night. And I kind of started to see it. And then he was swiped <laughs> away from me <laughs> immediately. So yeah, like you, I was really pleased to see him back here yeah. doing his thing in a decent spot against a very handy competitor and yeah it was, it was a really good match so i'd really love for leo to get that momentum and to not necessarily prove me wrong but i mean just like show me how good he can be like consistently would be amazing yeah i'd be really yeah. excited for that the other match here i really enjoyed was the gcw world title match moxley defending against homicide uh john moxley won just a fun slug fest look man you had me at homicide one of my all-time yeah. favorites, just the absolute greatest. I love Homicide. Nice to see him in such a prominent spot here. It's an argument that this one could have gone a bit longer, to be honest with you. I think you're probably seeing where that excess of the Lucha Libre match, mm. um, you know, that and the main event here. But yeah, absolutely good stuff. Moxley continues to be really fun on the indie scene as well. He's doing lots of good, good bits. I do hope like with Leo, we get to see Homicide more regularly going for- forward. Yes, absolutely. I'd love for him to get some consistency, you know, some some regular bookings somewhere and just like, yeah, get a, get a good run going again. Get some minutes. Yeah, 100%. Okay, let's have a look at the other side of this then. So on the negative side, you know, we're, just again, if you're new to the podcast, we don't tend to be lean too heavily on the negatives. It's more constructive criticism if, if we don't dwell on the on the on the bad stuff no or we don't and we don't hate watch things like that's just not something we ever do we don't watch something to purposely not enjoy it no we try and be honest but at the same time objective so yeah the ladder match just didn't quite work no unfortunately in a real interesting and weird like mishmash of guys and yeah just and unfortunately like aj gray who ended up the winner who i do enjoy he kind of blew i think what was supposed to be like his big match defining spot the ladder went out from underneath him um and just yeah he looked a bit bit silly there which is a real shame but a perfectly fine match but like one of the longest matches on the card could have quite happily hindsight not had this on the card and let everything else breathe a little bit more yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Go on, give, give me a couple more individual ones, and I want to say something more generally about this. I would say the Cardona versus Janela match and the Jarrett versus Effie match were quite similar. 
yeah they had they kind of had a similar thing going the the kind of way that they were kind of booked like or overbooked as the case may be you know i was very excited for for both those going in they were good fun but not like classics by any stretch of the imagination i think they both slightly outstayed their welcome yeah to be honest yeah that was a bit of a shame you know again you could probably just trim a bit of fat on these and you've got a, a much better encounter as a result but the overall thing i would say is that the the three matches there the cardona joe janela the ruby soho ali catch and Jarrett and effie well you had all of the outsiders go over it just didn't make sense you could even make the case for moxley going over homicide you know homicide is not a regular gcw guy i grant you but this is the hammerstein ballroom you know this is this homicide country it felt a little kind of deflating and i get they were going for at the end having hate club you know matrimon and nick gage defeating the briscoes but that just fell really flat and didn't give the crowd that big visceral go home excitement because they had no time they had no time and this is the thing you know i think if you listen to this podcast for a while, as I cast my mind back, probably the two promotions where we've had the most of these kind of heart-to-heart moments <laughs> are Impact and GCW. And the reason why is both promise greatness. You know, they, they, they get so close that the build looks good, everything's feeling good. And then when you get there, they can, they've got an, a nasty habit of under delivering ever so slightly. Mm. And this is a really good example of it here because going in, like I said, the build was great. The promo videos really high end, like really good quality. The actual look and feel of the show itself was far beyond anything I've seen on GCW. The production here was great. So far, so good. But falls down to i don't know if you'd call it discipline but the let's just stick with that for now about wishing to sound condescending there's just a lack of discipline on the card and that the the timings went all over the place and then you've got big matches that don't get the chance to breathe you've got big moments that don't get the chance to breathe i mean even you you touched on that main event even after nick gage one got the deciding pinfall he himself looked irritated Mm. by the fact that it had only been so brief and the crowd as you say, were much quieter than you would have expected. And it's just, you know, this is such a big stage and I'm so desperate for them to yeah. succeed here. You know, I'm pulling for them and they just just whiffed ever so slightly on, on these areas. And you almost, you don't, I don't know what the setup is, mm. but you just want a, a stage manager, production manager yeah. at the back, just keeping this thing a little bit tighter. You know, if, if trim five here, five there, 10 there, and you've got yourself a perfect show. It's the trap that promotions fall into when you're on pay-per-view for the first time, like proper pay-per-view where you are paying by the minute, you've bought a specific amount of time and you have to be off the air by a specific time. Yeah. Couldn't afford to run long here. Well, even Ring of Honor fell foul of that on their last uh, last pay-per-view show on Final Battle. Yeah. Same thing. So it happens. Same thing happened at All In. The very first, that main event got no time that... uh, no. That was a, the sprint of all sprints. Yeah. And even on TV, you know, if you go back to that AEW um, episode of Dynamite when you had Minoru Suzuki and John Moxley initially, and they had to absolutely rush for it because a few things overran. It happens. It's not a dig on GCW. It happens. They've put their hands up and said, you know, this wasn't, it was Brett Lauderdale, the guy that runs it, mm. tweeted about how, you know, this wasn't how they wanted this to 
you know, they didn't necessarily put their best foot forward here. Uh, to paraphrase, you know, this wasn't necessarily what they wanted to present and they can do better if, if, they, if they get another chance. Yeah, and I think they will, but they just, whatever the next big one is, they really need to hit. Because I remember with the collective, the last time we talk, touched yeah. on that, that was the same thing. I was very excited going in and it slightly underwhelmed yeah. because... Yeah, the production wasn't tight enough and, and things like that. They've sorted all these things here. This is what was most frustrating because as a, I'm starting to watch this, I'm thinking, bloody hell, this looks and sounds great. Mm, you know, mm. they're, 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 we're here. And then we just, just fell at the last hurdle. So look, man, it was still a, great, a really fun show. Yeah, a very watchable show. Yeah, that's it. And I don't want to sound too negative on it. It's just want them to just get to that yeah. next level. Absolutely. Because they are the super indie. They're the big boy, yeah. you know, on that scene now. So you just want them to hit those notes and uh, and reach those heights. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, let's move on from Game Changer then and bring it over to here into beautiful sunny England for the first time as yes. the scene kind of is opening up again now, which is very exciting. So not only do I look forward to calling more uk stuff on this here podcast but hopefully we get to go see some in person mm, as well yeah we're behind the scenes we have been sort of whatsapping potential shows to make our quote unquote comeback to yeah so if you're a listener that's in the uk um by all means tell us which shows you're going to um that'd be good we'd like to get some tips but anyway wrestling resurgence uh this was Bring me the mask of Cara Noir. Just to kind of before we go further as well, like what we usually do as well when we discuss a new promotion is we like to give a little bit of background. So, you know, Wrestling Resurgence are sort of a theatre-led wrestling promotion. Which is ideal. I believe they're based uh, in the Leicester area. I've been hearing good things about them for a long time. Mm. Their champion is Charlie Evans, who we're very high on. So, yeah, it just felt when I saw they tweeted out that this match had gone up on YouTube for free. Uh, so this took place the 15th of January this year. I suggested to Liam, like, right, let's dip, dip our toes back in, in British waters. Absolutely. We've upped our UK exposure by 1%. And I'm <laughs> pleased that we've done so because this is a really good match. Uh, as Gareth said, we're both very high on Charlie Evans anyway. She was doing good things over on the Aussie scene. And then, of course, had a bit of a run in the US, which I'm actually amazed that she managed to get out of that country without Tony Khan sweeping her up yeah. because I, I felt like she was destined for AEW and she might still be, to be honest with you. But she's back in the UK uh, as she was before the pandemic. So we're absolutely delighted to have her back. And against one of the scene's brightest stars in Cara Noir, who... But, you know, for the longest time, you know, for the last two to three years, even without much wrestling going on, I think has felt like the top guy yeah. in the UK, almost to the point where he's probably due a step up somewhere. Um, you know, I, I could see him going elsewhere at this point. It really feels like the scene needs others to kind of people need to be promoted in such a way that they appear on his sort of level. That's like, right. Because he kind of feels that little bit of step above you know, everywhere he goes, doesn't he? No, I don't disagree. But this is really good stuff. I mean, I like the way that PWA, Black Label, were presenting Charlie as kind of a Samoa Joe sort of character. <laughs> you know, she'd come out and just smash <laughs> just an folk. yeah. Yeah, and I, I think she's going to go on a bit of a god run over here, to be honest with you. And, and <laughs> She's and so good, so I don't, I don't know why, you know, why she shouldn't. She really is top, top tier, I would say. Selfishly, I'm kind of hopeful that after, you know, she's done some bits over here. She has a bit of a stint in Japan as well. You know, yeah, I'd love, love to that. see her 
bash up some folks over <laughs> over in the east that'd be awesome but you know my my suspicion is she may she may be heading for the bright lights after that but let's mm. see um but this was a really good fun match um i've never heard a crowd with a more regional accent than this one um <laughs> you know if you're <laughs> if you're if you're not that familiar with your English accents. I encourage you to watch this match, not least because it's very good, but you will be firmly acquainted with the unique tones of the Midlands accent uh, for their fall to see. Let's go, Charla. But it was great. It was really good stuff. And that's what's nice about watching wrestling in the UK is that you do get those regional accents and you do get that sort of different feel because, you know, although we are a small island, our constituencies and areas are very different the accent changes about every 20 miles yeah i think it was to because of the mining culture wasn't it back in the day i think that's why we've got because we shouldn't really i remember hearing this somewhere we shouldn't really have so many accents because we're such a small island yeah i think it was due to the mining culture here it's where the different accents developed and that's why you've got so many across oh interesting yeah and i hadn't heard i that. believe so there we go that could be totally false someone debunk yeah. liam for me do do debunk do but yeah this was great fun what i liked about this one in particular is that you got to see Cara Noir play heel yeah and you don't get to see that very often, yeah you know because he if you haven't seen Cara Noir, he's amazing and he's a great watch live because of the theater he comes out with the face paint he's the yeah. black swan there's probably a, the best entrance in british wrestling definitely definitely and there is a real kind of clear link to the stage with Cara Noir. And he's often presented as the good guy, but here he was evil kind yeah, of a while. Really and it really that. worked, you know, because he he does have that kind of swagger about him and he does have that aggressive kind of streak to his mm-hmm. offense, particularly when he's throwing strikes, you know, he kind of shoots to kill a bit. So that really worked here. And then Charlie just being a badass and, you know, gutting out these slugfest exchanges yeah. and suplex exchanges, just hard as nails. Taking you know? everything he had to offer and more. Yeah. That's it. And she was really great in here because she has really good facial yeah. expressions. And that's a big kind of tip of the cap to the production on this one as well, that they caught so many of those. Very easy to cheer for is is Charlie. Yeah, because she strikes a really interesting and unique balance between looking like an ass kicker and being completely believable in that sense, but also garnering sympathy. You know, generally speaking, you kind of get one or the other, or the other but yeah. she does a good job of blending that it's it's quite unique in the in the world of wrestling i would say but this was a lot of fun man if you get a chance to check it out please do so we'll- i'll put it in the show notes i'll put the link in the show notes um it's up on youtube for free it's like i think 22 minutes is the yeah. total run time of that you know yeah well worth your time worth your time definitely got me champing at the bit for getting back and seeing some Live grabs local wrestling again. I just I thought that whilst I was watching, I really wanted to be at this show. Yeah, this would have been a really good one live. Definitely, yeah, one hundred percent. I'd really like to get to Wrestling Resurgence. They seem to be, you know, a real good promotion. Yep, couldn't agree more. So we will be following them in the future. Okay, last show of the week. Then let's talk about Choco Pro One Nine Five. Oh my goodness, I can't believe we're so close to Choco Pro Two Hundred. Where has the time time. gone? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's mad. And big ups to Balianaki giving the wrestling podcast a shout out uh, at the beginning of the show. That was a nice surprise. It's just becoming a bit of a feedback loop now. We'll just, we'll just keep shouting each other out. <laughs> <laughs> it was lovely. And what was really nice as well was, you know, if you watch Chocker Pro, the best way to enjoy it is with the chat open as well. The chat adds a huge amount. You've got people that are really uh, fanatic about the product. 
there the chat will guide you if you haven't seen the yeah. show before and about who's who, what they do you know it's it's a really nice atmosphere yeah which seems odd to talk about a tax box but it is it's a nice <laughs> atmosphere what was lovely was seeing so many of you kind folk talking about the two interviews between Massa and Kaori that was really lovely so thank you so much um for that and and thank you once again to the ace Balianaki. but let's get into this show man what did you think of the opening matches always love seeing Tropicalamari together there and this is no no difference here I really enjoyed them coming out together they like Brooks seemed to be clearly enjoying himself teaming with Unimon again here can we start a bit of a campaign to get a Tropicalamari shirt yes from I want it by roll up yes I'd buy that in a heartbeat you know I can just imagine it now you know the pineapple with the tentacles coming out of it and a skull somewhere. I'm in. I'm, you've you've got yourself a buyer. So let's go. I don't remember seeing Shin Suzuki before, but Me I really either. enjoyed his interactions with Che. And I think this is the closest we've come to seeing somebody skewered by Che and her her sword. Get that bloody sword away from her. <laughs> that yeah. amount of energy plus a sword equals damage. Let's not yeah. let's not make so, any bones. Here. You know, just this was just a really fun tag team match you know it went yeah. sort of about 15 minutes usual good stuff from you know you can always rely on brooks unimon che to put on a, a really good show and shin more than uh more than held his own here and yeah i really loved the finish it was really inventive you know basically brooks made che code red shin and then whilst they were still like in the in the roll up, like he did a pinning combination, beat them that way, so there was nothing anybody could do. Yeah, it was, it was just really, really clever, just really unique, and I I love stuff like that. I you know I just really like matches that don't necessarily end with an obvious finish, obvious yeah. finisher. That one's gift around a bit as well. So if you haven't had a chance to see it, either watch the oh. match or you can find a gift of it somewhere. Speaking of like great unexpected finishes, really go back to the last match we were talking about the Charlie Evans Karanoa. Really enjoyed the finish. I, you know, I won't spoil it because I'm gonna. Yeah, that's an easy one you can watch for free if you haven't already, uh, which you may not have. But yeah, I really enjoyed the finish there, like not being a necessarily an obvious finisher. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And then Best Bros and Fujita and Overhero. What did you make of that one, Liam? Yeah, look, man, whenever the Best Bros are in there, it's always good stuff. I do enjoy the tension between Aki and Fujita. Yeah, it's always that, there, isn't it? It's always there. It runs it runs thick and, and, and hot. And yeah, it was it was really good. Nice fun match. Good to see the bros pick up the win here. I think they're, you know, they're closing in on some big matches over the next couple of weeks. But yeah, I also I want to say as well, um, Sakai Obahiro uh, is not somebody we necessarily have spoken a huge amount on this show, but I think is really, really good. And Definitely. Want Absolutely. To keep more of an eye on going forward. I, th- so, I think yeah. she's just in that like next tier, isn't she, of Choco Pro people? Absolutely. You know, yeah. that is like just bubbling under. Just I feel, feel like she just needs that defining match or moment to really break yeah. out yeah definitely but that will that will surely come in time like It'll i think come in time. you know she's yeah. really enjoyable to watch can only be a matter of time 100 let's get into this main event i'm desperate to talk about this this thing went half an hour which isn't always as appealing to me because time is of the essence but this was half an hour of really good stuff and if you listen to the podcast last week the interview of massa then you'll have heard all about the backstory with he and Chon. It did really play into it here. This was such a fascinating match because it started off very map-based. I think perhaps even for 15, maybe even 20 minutes of the match was very map-based. And that was really interesting to see. And 
one of the things that really struck me here is that Chon is somebody who I think you could have argued a few months back was on that that tier below that yeah. we were talking about with Sakaya. Um, but he's he's shot above, you know, he's he's of course he's the interim champion, but he feels like the champion. Yeah, definitely. I certainly I really felt like that in this match in particular. He was carrying himself like the champ. Mm. You know, he was confident, he had swagger. But the other thing is that he's a real puzzle, you know, he's a difficult guy to wrestle. Like yeah. he was doing things that nobody else does. Does he like to say he's elusive? Yeah. <laughs> he is a Leoto Mashida-esque elusive type of wrestler it was really good these are two guys with styles that i could watch all day i really like watching them wrestle they had a match last year which i adored i think that was the jackie chan rules one um and this was no different this is a lot of fun um i found it really interesting that chom was the one to bend the rules first um yeah and then Chris very brooks, unexpected yeah it was and then brooks on the outside going look he's bent the rules you can do it on <laughs> My man. Um, I thought Aki did a wonderful job of adding gravitas to this on commentary. You know, I saw somebody in the chat saying it was a sellout at the mats, you know, because you could see all the wrestlers yeah. watching it and the noise was big and it did you feel like a big it. deal. Yeah, it felt like a really big deal. And there were some crazy good spots in here, but just a, a big shout out to the the way that Chon hit his um gory special into the wall and then hit it properly as well. Like that transition was sick. But this was a match that was jam-packed with them. You know, I couldn't start calling spots now because no. it was just so, so much good I, stuff. I felt convinced going into this actually that Massa was gonna win. Really? Yeah, what, I it was just, his birthday. Yeah, it's his birthday, and yeah, it just kind of felt like a Massa versus Fujita matches. It felt more big time. Yeah, I know what you mean. Which is maybe unfair to sh- Sean, but I thought, you know, you want your biggest possible, you know, like unification match at Choco Pro 200. That felt like a bigger match. I know what you mean. Don't get me wrong. I'm very glad that Sean retained. I think he's having an incredible, really fun run as the interim champion. And I'm very excited for that match at 200. But I was just, you know, thinking purely from a, my marketing brain on yeah. a Massa versus Fujita match is probably an easier sell. Particularly with the DDT exposure yeah. that, that both men have had recently. That said, though, the chat was positively salivating over the prospect of a unification match. But he has got one more roadblock to get past in the form of the ace. <laughs> And that goes down tomorrow on Saturday. Yes. Um, so after the match, uh, Chon and Fujita had a big standoff, a big uh, set to. And then Chon actually, from what I could tell, called out Aki. So he wanted, it was, yeah. it was Chon that asked for the match. And I'm really torn because I really like the idea of the unification match being as it is, Chon versus Fujita. But also, I don't know if his heart overhead a bit, there's part of me that really likes the idea of Aki getting back to the spot where he was this time last year and challenging Fujita for the uh, Super Asia Championship mm. and hopefully getting a different result. You know, That's some good storytelling, you know. So you've got Aki potentially, you know, he's... He's put up some interesting social media kind of posts about, you know, like failing uh, and all of his sort of title shots. And if he can kind of win one big one, maybe he can win two big ones. You know, if he can enter Choco Pro 200 as interim champion. Oh, but then if he fails again, I don't know. I don't know if my heart. Where does he go from here? Yeah, 100%. If he cleared this hurdle, but then fell again, fell again to Fujita, I don't know if my heart could handle it. Well, I think we know 
Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we know who the best bros are facing at Chocobro 200 because it's Kaori and Hagane, I believe. So that's a big match. And presumably that would be night one. Hypothetically, if Aki wins over Chon, then he's got the Fujita match on night two. And I'd be very interested to see what would happen if best bros were to lose on night one and Aki was to win on night two. Mm. You know, do we finally unlock the goblin and May goes <laughs> full, <laughs> full bad apple? Uh, you know, and you get, you know, you imagine a May versus Aki match, but, you know, you're going to kill off all the the live streams throughout the week if you do that because they often do those together so yeah, absolutely yeah, i don't know man i'm intrigued and that's the main thing you know they've got me hooked i'm really interested to see where this goes from here Chocker pro 200 already feels like it's going to be a massive deal but i'll be keeping my eye out on that aki and chon match just one more note on that main event before we head off Again, if you listen to the Massa interview, he made a point of talking about the betrayal, which is a bit tongue-in-cheek, uh, about Chon, his his former drinking partner, you know, getting married and having kids and you know, leaving him in the lurch with regards to a boozy night out. And what I thought was really interesting is during this match, uh, Chon hit what appeared to be a drunken elbow where he, you know, uh, mimed downing a shot of Saki or similar and then dropping the elbow. And I thought to myself, this is a nod to that that betrayal right there you know he's like i'll only drink if i can kick your ass um <laughs> that as always could be me transposing my own ideas onto the show anyway folks i think that was a lot of fun um if you do get a chance check it out it's for free on the Chocopro pro gato move youtube channel that's a really easy i'll find. post that in the the old show notes as well just to make life a little bit easier for everybody yeah 100 all right mate um anything else shall we I think think that's probably it, yeah. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, We're coming back next week. Uh, I'm not going to reveal exactly what's going down yet because, as I said, things can be subject to change, but it may be, may just be an interview. The only way you're going to find out is by keeping it locked to the social media. Um, Yo, we broke 300. Big ups to everybody that (laughs) followed on the Twitter account. We have officially broke 300. Really excited about that. The road to 400 starts now. But yeah, thanks so much if you've joined us on there. The Twitter and the Instagram is at WrestlingPod. That's Wrestling About The E. And you can go to WrestlingPod.com. Again, Wrestling About The E. For all the links you'll need, links to listen, personal Twitters, all that good stuff, please do feel free to interact. Yeah, we absolutely love that on the personals or on the um, on the, the podcast one. Either way, love chatting with you guys on there. And as I said before, it's wrestlingpod at gmail.com. Again, wrestling about the E. If you want to send us a good old-fashioned email, you're welcome to do so. That does it, folks. We're out of here. See you guys next week. In the meantime, stay happy, stay safe, and enjoy those grabs. Mm-hmm.